Can you hear me? It doesn't matter. I'm very loud. I'm glad everybody came out tonight. I see Miss Lolly back there. How you doing, Miss Lolly? Oh, good. Um, like I said, we talked to Brother Howard today, so he sounds good anyway. I'm going to be jumping all over tonight, like Brother Travis usually does. After this morning, um, man, I tell you what, I get beat up a lot. I got in a, I got in a truck, and Daniel's like, "You were, you were angry." I'm like, "I wasn't angry. I was not mad." Um, well, I'll tell you this: I do know that I preach hard sometimes, but that's because God preaches hard to me when I'm reading His Word. And like I said this morning, um, that was a morning thing. I got down on my knees, I prayed to God, and He gave me the message before I got to. To church this morning, and that's what I delivered, so um, take it up with God, and <laughs> don't be mad at me. All right, tonight we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to go into a little bit of doctrine, um, and it's important, but we're going to talk about our eternal state, our eternal state. As, as human beings, what happens to us uh, as believers in Christ, and what happens to those who are not believers in Christ. And I think you know where I'm going to go with this, but I like to touch on Scripture and uh, so that everybody knows that this isn't just a church thing. It's not just a Richie thing or a Pastor Howard thing. This is a biblical uh, doctrinal stance on why we believe the way we believe. And the reason that we preach this and we teach this and we share this is so that you yourself can share it and answer questions because these are questions that people on the street have. These are questions that um, the, the non-believers, believe it or not, will ask. They want to know, um, what about the afterlife? What about these things? What does, your, what does your book say? What does the Bible tell us? And so you'll be able to, to tell them, and, and if, if you don't know, then take notes and write down these, these scriptures so you'll be able to, to get to them. But what happens to believers and unbelievers? We have a bodily resurrection. That is what we believe. We know this. Now, there are some people that preach that it's just a spiritual resurrection that is never a bodily resurrection. They even believe that some people believe that Jesus didn't bodily resurrect, which is crazy. That's, that's heresy, blasphemy. Um, we believe that, well, I'm going to say we. I'm hoping that we all believe this. I believe that we are saved to eternal life and glory for those of us who are uh, born-again believers, and for the, all the unsaved, you are condemned to eternal judgment and everlasting punishment. How do I know these things? Well, we're going to go over some scripture. That's right, the Bible tells us. First, we're going to go into the book of Matthew. So if you'll turn into the book of Matthew, we're going to look at Jesus' own words, what Jesus says. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. This is important. And it's good to learn things. I like, I like to learn new things and share things. And All right. Matthew 25 and verse 46. This is Jesus speaking. And we're going to go through a few, few scriptures here on this resurrection. All right. What did I say? 25, 46? And these shall go away into uh, everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, he's talking about the ones that are... That, our non-believers, the ones that do evil, will go into everlasting punishment. But then he turns around and says, but the righteous into life eternal. So those are Jesus' Jesus's words. That's hard to say, Jesus. 
his words himself. Okay, so let's turn to John chapter 5. Mom, you're going to have your hands worn out tonight, I think. John chapter 5. All right. And we're going to look at verses 28 and 29 as soon as I get there. John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Am I where I'm supposed to be? Yeah, there I am. 28 and 29. It says this. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth that they have done good, excuse me, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. That's pretty straightforward. Turn a few pages to your right and go to John 11. What do we know about the resurrection? What do we know about our eternal lives, our eternal self? John 11 Verses 25 and 26. Am I there? 25 and 26. It says this, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he says, believest thou this? And that's a question. Believest thou this? That is the question that we should be asking people. Do you believe that if you... Believe on the name of Jesus Christ that you shall live forever. Because if you don't believe that, then I don't. I, you're lost. You're not following Scripture. What's that? That's right. That's right. If you don't believe what the Bible is telling us, then you're you're gone astray. And finally, well, I won't say finally, but let's go to the Book of Revelation. Revelation, chapter twenty. You know, somebody was talking to me after church today, and they shared a little story with me. They said, you know, Richie, I had this communication with somebody that works in town, and they had a talk with somebody who's a non-believer, and that person voted for Biden. They were rubbing it in to so-and-so's face, and they were being disgruntled. I mean, very, very disrespectful about it, basically showboating, because they knew that this person supported Trump. So the person that supported Biden was really being, you know, rude and laughing and poking fun. And the person that voted for Trump said, well, we have revelation. And the person that was, this is how you know somebody's lost. The person that was poking fun said, what is that? That tells me all I need to know. You don't know. But listen now, this is what I preached on this morning. That opened the door for her talk, and she started talking. I'm not going to tell you that person got got saved or became a believer, but at least the person knows. That's right. And the person may not have ever known unless this other person opened their mouth. And I don't know the names of these two people. It was just two ladies. So that's why I'm saying this person. But anyway. So let's go to Revelation chapter 20. I'm not there yet. Chapter 20. I don't know why I'm not there yet. DJ, are you hanging with me? All right, verses 5 and 6 says this, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. We can talk about that in a second. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. What? 
That's a blessed hope right there. That is a blessed hope. And just a few verses down, verses 12, uh, 12 and 13 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. This is pretty straightforward stuff. You know, I've had people uh, ask me privately or on the side, you know, what does this scripture mean or what does this scripture mean? But they've never asked me what those scriptures mean. I think they're pretty straightforward. What about, what about when we die before the rapture? Because we believe in the rapture. So what, what about when we die before the rapture? That's right. Well, we all know, we, we've heard it preached many, many times, absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. And that's when, when he was talking about the first resurrection, that's why you, when you're waiting, awaiting that first resurrection. And then you have the rapture, which is the first resurrection, when our spirit, our soul, and our body will be reunited and glorified in a glorified body forever. These are biblical truths. These aren't, some people think that you're just making this stuff up, that somebody just told you this like a nursery rhyme, but this is in God's own word. If you will, turn to Luke. Luke chapter 23. I like to put my eyes on things. Luke chapter 23 and verse, uh, what is it, 43 This is Jesus. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now he's talking to the one on the cross that's defending him from the other one that's just being blasphemous, poking fun. He says, Will you remember me, Jesus? And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now he's not talking about his body. He's talking about his spirit. Today you will be with me in paradise. Yeah, that's right. It's where Jesus' body went, was in the grave. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5.8. We just saw what Jesus had to say. Let's see what Paul has to say. He's got, about, he's got many things to say, but we're going to look at three or four scriptures here. 2 Corinthians. You're getting good at this, aren't you, Mama? Yeah, very good. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 8 says this, We are confident, I say, and willing rather, here we go, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Meaning, when we die, our spirit immediately goes to the Lord. It goes to heaven to be with Christ and be with God in heaven. We don't linger in some type of uh, purgatory or whatever it is that some people think. That's right. We, we, there is no, there is no waiting area, holdover. There's, there's here, and there's there. When you take your last breath on heaven, you take your first, or excuse me, your last breath on earth. You take your first breath in heaven. Now let's see what Paul has to say in Philippians. Turn to Philippians. Stay with me, Mama. Philippians one. 
You know, and on a side note, I always spell Philippians wrong. I always want to spell it with two L's and one P. Every single time, too. That's wrong. I turned everything off. I don't know. <laughs> Philippians 1 and verse 23. Paul says, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Now, he, Paul knows a thing or two about what he's talking here, because if you remember correctly, Paul was called up to the third heaven. He saw some things that are but a mystery to us. That's right. So Paul knows what he's talking about. He's not just saying stuff for, for, for effect. He's saying it for, for a truth. Now, if you turn to Philippians 3, chapter 3, and look at verses 20 and 21, I believe I'm correct. It says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashion, fashioned like unto his glorious body. Boy, what a blessing. According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I'm telling you, these words, I was talking to somebody earlier this morning. Um, somebody messaged me, I think it was last night, about my my testimony wanted to know because they knew me when I was a kid and they wanted to know how I got to be where I am and it was a lengthy communication back and forth but to make a small uh, a long story short in essence what I told this person was I fell in love with God I fell in love with the Bible and I wanted and I still do daily I want to be in it and I want to know more about Jesus and when you come across words like what he just says, that I desire to be with Christ, for it is far better. Those words mean something. For our conversation is in heaven. Those words mean something. To me, I, I look at these things, and it just it motivates my spirit. And then you, you, I come in here and I preach like I did this morning, and people think that I'm mean or that I'm, I'm being uh, uh, harsh. And I'm not. I have the joy of God in my heart. I have joy of Christ in my heart because I know the truth. I know I put my eyes on every word that he has given us. That's right. Now, I try to tell people that, that, that get upset with me that say, hey, you're, you might need to sugarcoat a little bit. I can't. I can't. I'm passionate about what God has given because, and the reason I'm passionate about it is because I, and I've said this many, many times, I was the one that was walking wayward thinking I was okay. I was the one doing the things that people today are doing saying that they're okay because I heard a false gospel. I heard that it's okay no matter what you do. It, it, you can be saved and still be worldly and still do the worldly things. And you hurt yourself, you hurt the church, and you hurt would-be believers because there is no difference. And the, the Bible is clear. If you're walking with the world, you have enmity between you and God. It puts enmity between you and God. And that makes you enemies. So we don't want that. And I love to, to tell people about what's going to happen to them if they are saved. It hurts to tell people what's going to happen to you if you are not. But it's in the Bible, 
and we have to teach it. We have to preach it. We know, we've heard it many, many times about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 about the rapture. Uh, verse 16 and 17 is the, uh, the epitome of what, what it sums everything up to be, but it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then verse 17 says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is the rapture. That is biblical truth. That's not make-believe. That's not some nursery rhyme. That's God's own word telling us what's going to happen for the rapture. But before the rapture, as we went over these scriptures just now, there is what happens to you from a spiritual standpoint when you die. And the reason I'm, I'm harping on this, I'm stressing this, is because there are people that believe that you just go to this eternal sleep, that there's, when, when you die, there's, there's neither good nor bad, it's just your sleep. And there's no more pain, no more sorrow, and that's not biblical. That's right. It's not biblical. Souls of the unbelievers after death. What happens to those people? We just got through talking about what happens to a believer. What happens to the non-believer? This is, yeah, this is the hard part. This is what I don't like having to tell somebody, but it's necessary that you tell them. We, that's right. And you know what? Sometimes it's not the, it's not the, the good stuff that saves somebody. Like Larry said, it's the bad stuff that saves somebody. You know, I've heard people say, I don't like being scared. Well, I'm going to tell you, when I was a little boy, I heard fire and brimstone preaching when I was a little boy, and it shook me. It's something I always remembered. And I don't believe that we should move away from preaching the whole Bible just to make somebody feel good. That's right. The truth of the matter, for an unbeliever after death, there is conscious, so you're aware, conscious misery in hell. And there you're going to await the second death, which is the lake of fire. And oh, by the way, that is a conscious punishment everlasting. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus tells, them, tells us himself about these things. And there's a few scriptures I want us to look at. Luke chapter 16. If you'll go to Luke chapter 16. <laughs> I didn't mark them, Mom, so that way I'm taking my time. That's right. Luke 16, we're going to read a few verses here, 19 through 26. Am I in the right place? Luke 16, 19 through 26. Okay, here it is. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, 
that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Let me tell you something. You know, we look at this and we say, well, that's a parable. Well, I don't believe so. I don't believe it's a parable. Because generally, and Brother Howard has preached this before, generally in Jesus' parables, he'll say um, there was a man or as or like. But he mentions names in this. That's right. He is calling people's names out in this story. So I believe this is a truth. This is a true story. It's not just a parable that he's using to emphasize what's happening. I believe this is actually happening. It either happened or was going to happen, and Jesus knew about it because he knows the end from the beginning. But he used names, and it was names to impact you and I so that we know that this is truth. Jesus spoke it. And even if it was a parable, he uses parables to teach you right from wrong. What to do and what not to do. He's telling you by this story of Lazarus and the rich man in hell that there is eternal torment. That's alright, Mama. There is eternal torment and that you will never, ever be quenched. It will not. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, verses 41 through 46. All right. 41 through 46. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. My goodness. For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a str Mother. Just don't answer it, Mom. Then shall also, they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in person, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as ye did it, or not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal, into life eternal. Listen to that last verse there. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. It's pretty plain. There's no... You don't need to sit there and, and, and have a, a theologian explain it to you or a biblical scholar. Verse 46 is as plain as day. As plain as day. Turn, if you will, to Mark chapter 9. Yeah, you're seeing it. Well, some people think that, well, hell's not going to be that bad. No, it's going to be bad. It's very descriptive. 
Not just hell, but the lake of fire is even worse. It's the second death. Look at Mark 9, verses 43, 43 through 48. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. Wherefore, excuse me, where there worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter a halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. I think this is plain. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. For every one shall be salted with the fire, with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salt, salted with salt. Salt is good, but if salt have lost its saltiness, wherewith will she, well, excuse me, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt, <clears throat> have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. Let me tell you something. These are plain, plain words. I don't. We don't need a theologian. We don't need a biblical scholar. Somebody is is. Low down to earth as Richie can read this plainly. But I'm going to tell you, if you're reading another version Bible, it might tell you something different. It might tell you that everything's going to be okay. But it's not. I want us to finish up with a couple verses. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 9. What Paul tells us, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Listen, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished... Listen, with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. This is plain. Those that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And then finally, I want us to look at Jude. Turn all the way back. Right in front of Revelation. We're going to look at verses 6 and 7. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved, listen, he hath reserved an everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of, that great day, of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth. For an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. That's where the angels that are cast down are going, and that's where the ones that believe not in God are going to be with them. Look at Revelation. I said finally, this is the last one. Revelation 20. We're going to look at verses 11, 11 through 15. 
And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whom's face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the word of our Lord. This is the Holy Bible. I'm going to tell you, as much as that pains me to talk to somebody about it or to express to somebody, it is so important that they know the truth of the matter because if they know not the truth, they may not ever turn from their wickedness. They may not ever repent from the sins of this world and they may continue to run with the sins of this world as they always have because they don't know the truth. So it's important that we tell them. Well, we don't have to, look, when I preach, and we talk, me and Chris talked about this, when I'm preaching to the church, when you come into the church, I'm assuming that you're saved. Or I know there's visitors sometimes, but the church, if you look at Scripture, the church is for believers. And that's something else I'm going to talk about later, but the church is for believers. Yes, we have visitors from time to time. Some of them aren't believers. Some of them are coming just to check it out. But your job is to preach to them on the street and get them to know the truth. And if they have a question, then ask somebody in the church or ask a pastor or a biblical teacher or somebody like that to help them understand. But the reason I preach hard in the church is because I'm talking to believers. That's right. It's the body of Christ. Now, when I want you to understand something. When I'm talking to somebody who does not know the truth, I'm not beating them to death with the Bible. You know what I'm telling them? the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that is what they need to hear. But when you become a believer, you leave the milk alone and you start eating solid food. And you start understanding the big picture. And that's what we should be doing. Uh, I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to beat somebody to death or, or wag my finger in their face or anything like that. I just want them to know the truth because sometimes, and I'm not ignorant, I know that that many, many people that come to church, born-again believers, the only time they ever hear the Word of God is on Sunday when they come. I'm not ignorant to the fact that many people that have a Bible leave it on their shelf. I was one of them for many, many years. Yeah, right, there you go. But I want you to tell you, tell you right now, what we just read should make the believer's heart rejoice. It should make your heart just, just pitter-patter with the love of Christ, because you know the truth, and you know that you are saved forevermore, and you don't have to worry about going to the lake of fire. You don't have to worry about going to hell. You don't have to worry about going to the lake of fire. You're going to be with God, with Jesus Christ, forever, in glory. What a, what a blessed thing. And that should make us want to jump up and shout, and then share it with somebody. Because, I'm going to tell you, God doesn't want anybody to perish. Not one soul. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, He's patient, to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He loves us. He loves each and every one of us. He loves, he loves the homosexual. He loves the murderer. He loves the drug user. He loves the fornicator, the adulterer. He loves uh, um, whatever. 
He loves us all. And that's when we're not to judge. That's what we're not to judge. Because I know there are some people that, that act like Jonah. I'm not going to tell them about the gospel. I'm not going to tell them how to get saved. They're worthless. No, they're not. That's right. They, they, well, they mean it just as much as us. I mean, your life is no more precious in God's eyes than that person. And that's why we should be telling them. And we should fill up the church. We should fill up the church with a bunch of believers that are born. You know what? I would love to see this church filled up with, with people that have tattoos from, from head to toe. Because you know what that tells me? It tells me that somebody's doing their job. And somebody's preaching the gospel to somebody who's lost. I would love to have people that just flood this church. Flood it where we have to build on. We can't even hold them anymore. We have to build on or have multiple services in a day. Because we're bringing in people off the street. Maybe they don't have homes. Maybe they don't have, you know, maybe, they, they, maybe they've been on skid row. But we've got to do the job and love on them and bring them in. Once, they, once they're saved, then we, they're in a the family then. Then we get them, we bring them along. Get them off milk. Get them on the a more solid food, the, the Gerber 2s and Gerber 3s and get on up to the steak food. That's the only thing that's what we should do. Look, I love you guys. I want you all to understand that. I'm, I preach hard sometimes, um, but I love you. I love you, every one of you. And I don't, take my, I don't take what God has given me lightly. It's very important to me to speak what he puts. You know, I would be no better than Jonah. If he put something on my heart, I said, no, God, I'm not going to do that because it's going to upset him. God's going to deal with me. He tells me to do something, I do it. And that's how we all should be. God bless you. I love you. Bubba, will you dismiss us in prayer, please? Amen. Thank you all. God bless.